Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy! Hello and welcome back to another episode of Faking Injuries. Today's episode is going to be a little all over the place. We're going to jump around different storylines, things that came up over the international break. It's not going to have a clear direction, just like us in our careers. So And lives. And lives. <laughs> so what do you say we just jump into it? Do you want to start us off or are you feeling too nervous yet? Do you want me to warm you up? I'm very nervous, but... I've been trying to embrace adversity more, you know, the cold shower approach to life. Don't even have the notes in front of me. I don't think I need them because have you seen the things that Lee Kang In has been up to? I think I did that right. Yeah, correct pronunciation, but I have not seen any news on him. All right, so he's been on an absolute heater because one of the burdens or or perhaps the government might call them opportunities in life when you're born a South Korean citizen is the mandatory military service. Which you can get out of if you win an international tournament. Yep, it's clear you're not worried about burying the lead here. That is exactly what Mr. Lee Kang-in has been up to. He won with the U23 team in the Asian Games, which I've gathered is the continent of Asia's mini Olympics. Because if you win either that tournament, any competition in it, or an Olympic medal, you get out of your full military service and just have to do like a nominal two-week photo shoot type deal. That's the life you're going to live. And I think BTS doesn't even get this treatment. So if that tells you anything... I wonder if they're going to be rewriting the laws in Korea to accommodate the K-pop stars. Like, if you perform in 20 stadiums in the U.S., then you can also avoid going into two years of service. Yeah, and like the 80-year-old on the committee is like, if you do one week on the MTV Top 100, you're in. (laughs) But as a legislator... I think this is a good tactic if we're doing the carrot approach. Wherever you want to encourage excellence, you got to start dangling this military exemption around. And that's where your intellectual human resources are going to flock to. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And uh, congrats to Kang In, because he is an excellent player. Yeah. Well deserved. I have to assume that South Korea is winning this, what, 50% of the time? Well, who are their competitors? You got Japan. That's about it. I don't think Australia plays in it, but in the Asian qualification pool for the World Cup and other tournaments, Australia is bucketed with them. And some of the funniest things are when large men from Australia, such as the Outback Tyson Fury, Harry Sutar, as you've labeled him, it was either him or someone else that was over 6'5", scored more than five goals against Thailand, where everyone was 5'6", a lot of 5'4s, and... Five twos didn't even look out of place. I do remember that because I think he had like nine goals in a five-game stretch with Australia (laughs) as the center back, just towering over the smaller opponents, which is hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All the third division German clubs were just like, if we get one loan, we think we could get Harry Sutar. Yeah, it is a little disappointing the rest of Asia hasn't adopted soccer as much as the rest of the world. You could say, you know, China has never been very good at soccer. Thailand, Indonesia, even India hasn't really ever been there. But that's a country you could see in the future. Like, hey, they got enough people. If they get a good youth system going, in 20 years, India could be better than Korea. You know, totally feasible. And this could be a pawn in the military strategy of the region. If you're Japan, who I would say on the whole is a better footballing squad, add in a well-charged Indian team 20 years in the future... 
do you want to let Korea win if you have these players scoped as good potential military resources, right? If you're going to come into conflict with them, do you want Hyunmin Sun on the front lines? If you take him out, that could galvanize a whole country. So these are risks you need to be considering. All I know is Japan does not want to come up against Kim Min Jae on the front lines. Oh. AK in hand. I mean, that's not a sight you want to see. My last point here is if I'm Kim Jong-un, I would divert <laughs> all of my secret agents to kidnapping Kim Min Jae. Because you get him, might take a few weeks to get him to your cause, either through the spoken word or other methods. But once you get his brain and his physical mojo... South Korea doesn't stand a chance. No chance whatsoever. I love it. All respect given to the people. And remember, this is satire for legal purposes. We're licensing IP from the Faroe Islands that's coming to us through an earpiece. Correct. That's right. (laughs) All right. I want to take it next to the champ, if you'll allow me. We need to talk about Ipswich Town because we haven't talked about them at all this season. And they're currently sitting second in the championship. A tough league, 24 teams. People forget that. Americans forget A lot tougher to get promoted when there's 24 teams instead of 20. That is a fact of life. Simple math. It's incredibly impressive because the double promotion is something we almost never see. I don't know if like Forrest was the last team to do it. I don't know if you remember, but I know they did it at some point in the 90s. Sorry, doing what again? The double promotion. The League One to Champ to Prem in two seasons. Ipswich does sound like a team of some relevance in the 80s and 90s. Weren't they regularly in the top division? Yeah, and I think uh, if they weren't, they were usually in the champ, but they went down and came back up fast, and they are flying. They have the most goals in the league, 25. Their defense is pretty solid, too, only conceding 13. I just love the way they play. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch them. Their manager is Kieran McKenna, who was under Jose Mourinho when he was at Manchester United. Is he Irish? He's Northern Ireland. Ooh. Very, you need to make that specification. I apologize. Yes. Apologize to his family as well. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Apologies, people. Um, I I stand with Belgrade. Yes, you do. Uh, (laughs) Oh, I I fucked that up. I stand with Belfast. Oh, no. (laughs) Double mistake. My head's on a plate. Yep, you're dead already. Um, He's only 37 years old. So he was like the Man United youth setup coach. I think like U18, U19. Took a lot of his tactics from the Jose style. He likes one really defensive wingback and one really attacking one. And the way they play, they basically have a box in their buildup, right? They have the two center backs, the two CDMs, and then Leaf Davis, their left back, just gets the fuck up the pitch. (laughs) He's like on the touchline every single time. And this is how they build up. I would say 75% of plays, they just ping it between those four. And then at some point, they'll just launch one to him, like a cross field long ball. And he his first touch is like immaculate. I think he has five assists, thrown in crosses. So he's like a left wing back? He's not even a left wing back, but he sure plays like one. He's okay. a, a true left back, but the other, Brendan Williams is on the other side. So he kind of sticks back a little further just to let Leaf just run. Okay. And he's been incredible. He came from Leeds United, if you remember. He was a youngster on that team, never really broke in. How old is he now? 23 years old. Okay. So, you know, he's 5'5". Five five. He's a little guy, but he's a problem for them. He's kind of got a little, I don't know if it's just the shortness, but Angelino in him. I okay. don't know. You could see how someone 5'5 five five could be overlooked. Yes, 100%. And I think they just have really strong center midfield. They have Connor Chaplin, who's like their 26-year-old, Talisman 10. And up top, they have George Hurst, who 
They signed from Leicester City. I believe he was always loaned out and never actually played for the team, but they took a chance on him. He bagged some goals last year, and he's doing pretty well so far. And on Hurst, I'll add this point because I haven't watched him play much. His foot mob photo, not a great one. It's a close-up, and he's looking very big-faced. It's a gawky teenage look at him. Maybe it was taken at 17, 18. I know he's been performing well, and I don't know who he needs to contact at foot mob to get that changed, but I'm going to put that out there in the internet. He is fully turned sideways in it too, which is... It's creepy. It's like a prom picture was snipped. It's a tough look for him. I love this team. They're young. They like to press, and they have like a really interesting way they build up and score goals, and they're scoring the most in the league in a year with Leicester City and Leeds, who are incredibly strong teams for the champ. So I love their story, and I'm I'm hoping they get an automatic promotion. Yeah, that seems to be the consensus right now. Would they be a Luton town if they came up, or how is it different? Because just from a name perspective, got to be the town that they share. It feels like they'd be boring next year. Yeah, I'd have to know who their owner is because, and I, I haven't looked it up, maybe you can now. If they have money, maybe. I think Luton, the owners were just like not even ready for a promotion, right? So that was never in the cards. The interesting thing with Ipswich is this isn't a shock that they're this high up the table, right? Usually a promoted club, you would expect them to be favored to either get relegated or to finish middle of the pack maybe in the champ. They were favorites to be in like the top six and like be in the playoffs. Like they were minus money. So I think the big thing, if they go up, they need to keep Kieran McKenna because he's going to be in the Premier League next season with or without them. I'll admit my chat GBT yield hasn't been great. What I have gathered is an American businessman, Brett Johnson. He's Los Angeles based. Looks like he's founder chairman of insert private equity company name, a sports investment fund and another PE firm. I don't know what the value of a double promo is, but it's got to be plus a thousand percent enterprise value because you're going from what would you say like the average broadcast revenues in League One are? League One, it's even like half of the championship or more. So three to five million. Yeah, five, five mil maybe. Tops. Five mil, if you, let's say you're the best team, five mil. Then you go to the champ, that's more than doubling. And then you go to the prem, it's, what is it now, 200? It's 220 minimum. And yeah, depending on where you finish, it could be even higher. So that is insane. And something I vow to look into a little bit more. Yeah, I think this is a good point for us to move on, but I would just say both of us, like we have been with Sunderland, we're keeping our eye on this team. Give them a follow on FootMob. You know, we got to track their games, how they're doing this season, and we got to really tune in for the last month of the champ because mm. we're going to be locked in on the playoffs. We're going to have big bets down on who's going up, and I'm excited. All right, so is Brett Johnson. I do hate the name Brad. Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit better than Brent. Yeah, only a little bit. Okay. Charlie, the place I want to take it next is random international break thoughts. Let's keep it vague. I know there's a few side pockets both of us want to go into. Let's start first with just a view of the landscape, how different European squads, the countries themselves, how they're changing, right? We're seeing new generations take form. Anyone that stands out or you're bullish on their future? I think we have to start with Norway. We were just talking about them. They just have an exciting team. Obviously, Erling Holland is the one that everyone knows. But you also have Martin Odegaard, one of the best players in the Premier League, hands down. The rest of the squad is starting to fill in around them. They've kind of been a two-man show for a while, but now they're starting to get more and more pieces. Ryerson is the 
right back slash left back for Dortmund, and he is awesome. We loved him. He is. He's a Swiss utility right back, came from Union Berlin. That's something we don't hate to see on a resume. And his name makes me think there's Brazilian in his Norwegian ancestry. Yeah, we we can assume so. Ryerson? (laughs) They also have Leo Ostegaard, who has been playing every game for Napoli. I don't know if you've kept in touch with that. I watched. It didn't look great against Real. He was flailing around. Tough test. Tough test, but... I think in the league, he's been performing pretty well for them. And, you know, if he's starting every game for the current champions, that's a good sign. You got Patrick Berg in the midfield. You got Burge in the midfield. Two separate names. One with an E at the end, one without. (laughs) (laughs) And now you have this kid, Oscar Bob. Really interesting Norwegian name there. Wait, important to clarify here. When he's saying one with the E, let us be clear. Both of them have E's, the B-R-E-G. One of them is six foot five and has another E after the G, and yes. the other is five foot six, coming back to Norway with Bodo Glimt after a failed six months in France. Yes, correct, at Lons. <laughs> Tell me more about this Bob guy because I am unfamiliar with his game. Yeah, so he is a winger slash 10, and he has been actually getting some minutes for Man City this season, only 50 so far, but hey. It's hard to break into that squad as a 20-year-old Norwegian. It is, and he's wearing number 52. Having a high number, I think, is good for City youngsters. Maybe it's just the Cole Palmer, Phil Foden. He's stuck with it. Rico Lewis. Mm. What number is he? Rico's still rocking 82. I love that. That's a high (laughs) number. (laughs) But it says a lot that City is opted to keep him around and even give him minutes early in the Premier League. We've seen Southampton lead the charge in poaching City youth just because we're seeing the fruits of 12, 15 years past initial investment and how good that City Academy has become at yielding top talent in England. And a lot of them don't have a clear pathway when they're already so good and they get the players they need to fill in the gaps. Absolutely, but it is scary now how good that generation is because there's a bunch of guys who are in the mix of the squad now that are getting rotated in like Bob and like Cole Palmer last season who obviously went to Chelsea. They saw something in him. I like him. I really like him too. He's like pretty awesome, but that's just going to be a place people continue to poach like they've been poaching the Chelsea Academy for years or the Tottenham Academy. You know, if you can identify these guys early, like... Take a shot on one of them, you know? Yeah, this is like in 1870s West Virginia. You identify the water stream without cholera in it, you've got a gold mine on your hands. (laughs) Absolutely. One other team I did want to discuss, which I think has become more popular on football Twitter, it's Georgia. Because obviously, Kvitschuk Varitskelia, one of the most electric attackers in Europe last season... What did he have, like 15 and 10 or something? Mm, it was egregious. It was absolutely disgusting. Probably the best dribbler, I think, around. But once again, like Norway, the rest of the squad around him is starting to fill in a little bit. You got Mika Tadze, of course. Mm, yep, at Ajax. At Ajax, who was at Mets beforehand and was just tearing up League Da. And they've also got that behemoth keeper, right? Mamar de Chivili. He was in Spain. Still in Spain, six foot six. He's a unit, and he's been one of the best keepers in Spain the last couple of seasons. Yeah, it's always fun when you see these new countries that are the darlings or 
new scouting grounds maybe. When you look at the domestic leagues or the club sources that they come from, it's often concentrated. In Georgia, it's Dynamo Batumi, right? That's Kavicha. Pretty sure that's where Mamar Deshavili came from. And it's Dynamo Tbilisi is the other one. Okay. They have like three guys who are like U23 from that squad as well. So they're just taking the top young talent, and it's an incredibly young squad. Like, you go through their whole list, and you see a couple 30-year-olds, and then it's all, like, 23 and under. It's exciting. I don't know. When you see a, a young squad with really exciting wingers and attackers like Mika Tadze and Kavicha and a solid keeper, you know, that's the backbone of building to something. What I'm looking for here and have no fundamental research to back it is in the new generation – that looks to be taking form. I want a Kim Min Jai equivalent. I want a huge, brutish Georgian. I've also been looking in this realm at Kazakhstan because I'm bullish on some of the players there who have been poached to Russian clubs. I'm really looking for a 6'3 plus East Caucus region player to burst onto the scene. Yeah, and it seems like that's what they're lacking. They could probably use another good center midfielder too, but they do have this guy, uh, Kitsevshvili, which I'm totally butchering, but... That just goes with this whole Georgian conversation. Proceed. Yes, he is on Stormgraz, and he's absolutely tearing it up. Three goals, two assists this year. He's got 33 goals since he joined in 2018. Also came from Dynabo Tbilisi. He's pretty set. They probably need another midfielder that's going to really back him up, but then behind that... The lowest foot mob ratings in the squad are the two center backs. So you're right. They need a behemoth. They need a Kim. Yes, and hopefully he comes soon. But keeping the train moving there in European qualification. One other team I want to spotlight. Northern Ireland. In monitoring transfers and checking periodically in Euro qualification, they are getting a little bit pluckier. It feels safe to say that they've been in the dumps historically. Anyway... This squad has some youngsters once again, and some promising ones. Going back to Man City, Shea Charles, he's the 18, maybe 19-year-old now, just moved to Southampton, playing every match for them. He is Northern Irish, and he's been featuring as a starter right away for Northern Ireland. And then in the back line, I think it's Daniel Ballard, maybe Chris Ballard for Sunderland. He is a 24-year-old center back. Looking really good from what I've heard and seen. And then his right back partner as well, Hume. He's also Northern Irish. You always love to see those synergies when players are playing near each other at club level and international level. This all feels like it bodes well for Northern Ireland. Yeah, you do like to see the right center back and right back playing on the same team. They have that understanding and spacing and positioning. One other name that shocked me, I didn't know he played for them, Jamal Lewis. Do you remember him? Yes. From Norwich back in the day? Yes. He's moved to Newcastle, if you remember. Did not work out. And then he's on loan at Watford now. But he's starting in the team, so... Damn, he must be so sad watching Newcastle pop off in Champions League. I mean, that's a solid back line, though. With Johnny Evans in there, too. I don't hate oh, it. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. And Shea Charles is by far their best player, it seems, already. Six foot two midfielder, 19 years old, just running the show. He's one of the nation's top five treasures, I'm sure. I'd venture to say that there's a few more international setups we'd like to spotlight, but let's leave that for a future day. You had an interesting story out of a very low league in a very Nordic country. Yeah, I'm going to take us to the fourth tier of Danish football. So 
not only are we going up to Scandinavia, we're going down to the lower leagues. And we're talking about young boys. Not to be confused with BSC young boys in Switzerland's top division. We're talking fourth tier, okay? Are they at all affiliated? It seems like they're not. A different young boys. And also not to be confused with that island somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic. And this might seem weird, right? It's been hard for us to search young boys on YouTube and get flagged. (laughs) But what this is, is just the European version of the YMCA. If they had football and little clubs, it's just the Young Man's Association. Correct, correct. They're historic, uh, you know, entities, the young boys. Yes. Though they've grown old, they've always stayed young. Yeah, that's correct. (laughs) The reason we're talking about them, and shout out to Ben Griffiths on Twitter for just spotlighting this team they play a 3-2-2-4 in possession which you might be saying hold up the numbers don't work there are they just throwing an extra man on the pitch my math's been a little slow but it seemed high they're doing a 3-2-2-3 except throwing one more attacker in and bringing the keeper up into the back three and he's in the center of the back three he looks like he's in the same spot as any center back or CDM who's dropping back would ever be. And at first I was like, no, no, that can't be right. This must have just been one freak play. There's like 20 images in this Twitter thread of him just at the halfway point, like shooting balls off left and right. So he's at midfield at his furthest. Fully at midfield as furthest. And by including the goalkeeper in the buildup, you just have a dominant possession game because you can just overload in any space you're at right you have one extra man it seems like the strategy has reaped some rewards they're in second in the fourth tier however they have conceded 18 goals in 10 matches so i wonder if the keeper being that far up has caused some issues when they lose the ball but it's an interesting strategy and i would not be shocked to see pep playing ederson in a back three soon. What this makes me imagine is from our XG book by Ryan O'Hanlon. I always forget what it's called. Net gains. Thank you. They always talk about in these systems, they could yield better performance as supported by data. But when they go bad and you do concede your goals, they're going to look really bad. And the people in the stands are like, well, we gave up possession in a bad spot and they chipped our goalkeeper because he's at the midfield line. Yep, it's the same issue people had with like Jesse Marsh's playing style. Like when it goes bad, it looks really bad and you lose 6 nothing. You know, yes. there's, you know, even if it statistically makes sense, sometimes there's issues with it. But we were discussing beforehand, we wonder if there's something to be found here. If you think that goalkeeping ability is a little bit overvalued and you can get away with a significantly worse goalkeeper, but someone with the ball playing ability of a Rodri who can come up (laughs) and join the back three, that would be interesting. I also think there's a marketing element at play here because if you are in fourth tier Danish football, you're in a rough patch outside Copenhagen You need to stand out some way if you're hoping to grow your fanfare and, by virtue, your revenues. Playing really weird football and having your clips go out, Danish young boys, we're not going to be able to forget them. And something we might need to implement in the future. I like to think maybe the manager had Graham Potter in mind and was thinking, I might get poached if I do something really (laughs) weird. (laughs) Because, like, who was filming this fourth tier of football before they started doing this, you know? Yeah, answer, no one. That is funny. What if it is just a rogue manager? The owner's not really involved. He's going through a divorce, not keeping tabs on the squad. Yeah. (laughs) Well, 
we can dream one day to have a manager of uh, this innovation. And hopefully we'll see this in a pep system soon. Yes, that's all I've got. This was one of the better random shows, I think. This was fun. fun. Yeah, international break not a lot going on. So I think we're excited for it to get started back up soon here. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we've been the Faking Injuries Podcast. I've been Charlie. He's been Noah. Give us a follow on Twitter, at Faking Injuries, and listen to us on any platform you want. Spotify, Apple, Google. Goals TV. Goals TV. Whatever you want, you got it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye. Love you guys. Bye. Ciao.